Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a greeting. Hello. What? Oh, my white cloth. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, I loved it. This is the best way to start a phone call. Hello. I wish I had a can next to me at all times so that anytime I needed to call anyone, as soon as they were just like, crack hello. One open. Hi, how, how you feeling, you? sweet lady? Oh, you know. A little hungover? Actually, no. I wow. Good. was asleep by like 8.30, you know? I love the idea that 16 minutes after you called me drunk as shit <laughs> laughing about pizza on pasta, <laughs> you were asleep. I love that so much. Well, you know. Ladies and gents listening to the podcast. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> Reagan texted me, I am a little wine drunk. And then I called her and she was real wine drunk. And it was okay. a great time. It was great. Here's I laughed so hard and I loved every single second of it. Here's and Reagan was crying, laughing telling me that there was she had a to-go box of pasta and a slice of pizza was on top of said to-go box uh, and I am just such a fan of you here's the thing my employee party for standardized patient job was yesterday and they gave us drink tickets they gave us two drink tickets and I was like this is perfect I'll have two drinks and then I'll go I'll, you know, talk to Taylor. Everything will be dynamite. <laughs> and I got some cash out of the ATM so that I could tip my servers and or bartenders who were bringing me said drinks that were free for me. But when you tip your servers in cash every time they bring you a drink and it's a party package so the company isn't paying for any of the drinks... They don't care if you have tickets or not. They're going to keep bringing you drinks. So good. And so I ran out of tickets after two drinks. And the sweet lady, I was like, she came up and she was like, would you like another glass of wine? And I was like, oh, no, 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 thank you. I don't, I don't have any more tickets. She was like, I don't care. And then went. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, ma'am. Oh, no. Uh, so I loved it. I was know? a huge fan. And then they were like, here are a bunch of to-go boxes. Everybody take the leftover food. And so I went over there, and there was like a bunch of pork pasta and a, two teeny tiny pieces of pepperoni pizza. And I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do both of these things. I feel like pork pasta and pizza is going to be the name of my memoir. <laughs> you know? No, but I, I fell asleep um, promptly when I got home <laughs> and then slept for 11 hours. Oh, and wow. So when I woke up at seven, I was like, well, let's do this. Feel refreshed. Boom, boom. That's great. And then I went and I was, uh, I was around the kids today. Mm -hmm. Big old 180. How oh. are you? How Excuse are you me. Feeling? I just belched into this microphone. Um, I am, Feeling okay. My head is still a little shitty, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's coming in waves, so I feel like that's better than it just being constant. Sure, that's so, a silver lining that you have found there. You know, yeah. Um, and we leave for Iceland in three weeks. You do, which you is really real do. exciting. That's a very exciting thing. I'm so jealous. Oh, God, I can't wait. This trip has been like literal years in the making and it it's kind of surreal to me that it's like actually happening. So pretty stoked about that. Although I'm a little worried that Evan is going to get me a Christmas present despite us both agreeing that we were not going to get each other Christmas presents because we're going to a different country in three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I was like, don't get me anything like we can just, you know, have a fancy dinner in Scotland or whatever. And he was like, okay, but then you can't get me anything. And I was like, okay. And so then like I started giving away my ideas for him for Christmas. And that same day we get home and he's like, so <laughs> is it like a hard and fast thing that we're not getting each other gifts? And I was like, 
dude, I, I don't have any more ideas for you. So yeah, it is. He was like, well, like, what if I got you something? I was like, no, 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 no. This doesn't work if one of us gets something because then the other one just looks like an asshole. Like, no, you can't. Yeah, then you just feel shitty. Can't do that. So we, we had the conversation again on the on the way home today of like, okay, you're not getting me anything right. <laughs> so we're both just really hyper paranoid that we're going to get presents. You're doing that like shifty eye thing. Yeah. Back and forth at each other. Really? Like, yeah. But you didn't. This isn't a, you're not tricking this. You didn't, right? I think, did, oh my God, speaking of Christmas, did I tell you that we went and saw, um, when Dylan was in town, we went and saw Black Christmas? No. Do you know what Black Christmas is? No. Oh my God. So it is a quote unquote horror movie. And it is. But you did tell me you were going to go see some spooky spooks, but I don't think <laughs> I remembered that that was the name. It is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, hold on a minute. Not have like fun seen, bad. Have you seen the new Aquaman? Um, I will not. And okay, because I promise you it's worse. I staunchly oppose that movie. I promise you it's worse. Um, Black Christmas, the premise is that a group of sorority girls are being murdered by some supernatural alpha male force gross it's so bad it's so bad and was like pretty clearly trying to be like oh we're a feminist movie but it instead was just like really misogynistic it was so bad but we snuck in tacos i sure saw that and i got stressed out it was great by all of the steps it was probably the best the best in movie dinner that we've ever had it's definitely the most elaborate. The pancakes are pretty good. Yeah. So for, so I oh, feel right. like I might need to explain this. So every time specifically me and Evan and Dylan go see a movie, we sneak in homemade dinners or breakfasts. We went and saw Krampus a couple years ago and we brought in cereal. So you just like, we brought in like a two bags of cereal and bowls and spoons and a gallon of milk and you just have to sneak well, it in. Well, so it started go back because we were working started with pancakes no i started so we were working at a pizza place and the movie theater is across the street and so we would bring in pizza or breadsticks or what like our salads or whatever from work and it was so easy to sneak them in rookie rookie things and so we were like well we've got to get more complicated with this and so this weird little challenge blossomed of what's the most complicated dinner you can sneak into a movie theater it was so good. The tacos was a dynamite idea. We just had like, we did it upright too. We had cilantro and sour mm, cream and nice. cheese. And a little lime wedge? We didn't bring in a lime wedge. Evan suggested it and I was like, I don't know. It would make my fingers sticky. You would also have to bring in like wipes. Yeah, it was hilarious though because we brought in like taco meat and beans and shit obviously. And as soon as I opened the, the taco meat, container it just the whole theater smelled like taco meat I was like oh <laughs> didn't yep. really think about this part of it but yep. yeah that right it was a great time it was the only yeah. saving grace of that movie yeah I bet so you know um I have a question for you yeah what are you drinking box wine oh god I was really hoping you were gonna say that I'm drinking box a lime wine. I'm drinking a lime cloud we're basically us last week my god Santa Claus has come to my house. Wow. Um, do you get it? I do. I really do. <laughs> um, I saw Frozen 2 this week. Oh, how was it? I like it more than the first one. Wow. I really do. I think that it is funnier. I think that they put Josh Gad in a recording studio and they were like, just talk for a while. Yeah. And then we'll figure this out. And it's so funny. Josh Gad is so funny. Um, but also the plot is way better. Nice. Not way better. The plot is better, in my opinion. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really good. I liked it Great. thoroughly. Yeah. Maybe I'll go see it. Would recommend to a friend. You just did. Or, I mean, it's going to be out on Disney Plus soon, so, you know. Ugh, I don't have Disney Plus. Get your shit together. Yeah, I know. 
It's the best. Although, if I never saw another thing about the baby Yoda, I'll live a happy life. This is where you and I disagree immensely. I could not give less of a shit about baby Yoda. I feel the same way about baby Yoda that I felt about baby Groot. Oh, I think they're both the cutest things that have ever lived in the In that I think that they are wholly unnecessary and, like, nobody asked for that. I didn't ask for it, but that's only because I didn't know to ask for it. Oh, God. They're so cute. They're so cute. Yeah, we differ immensely. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's, that's you know, that's pretty standard. It's what makes the world go around, right? sure does. Um, Reagan, I have... Sorry, I have a second question for you. Never apologize. What's your second question, Taylor? What year was your babe born? Well, and also, off, welcome to Babe Town. To babe Town. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Babe Town. Um, Ooh. Also, fun fact about me is that I've eaten real little today, and I have prepared myself with two clows. So, the dew clow. <laughs> I don't know the year she was born. Okay. If I were to guess, I would say around 1850. Oh, yeah. You are going first, but not by as much as I thought you were going to be going first. Okay. Uh, Taylor, yes. have you ever heard of Sadie Farrell, a.k.a. Sadie the Goat? Absolutely. I've heard of Sadie the Goat. Sadie the Goat. Yes. Sadie the goat. the goat. This is one of my favorite episodes of Drunk History. I just rewatched it to re-up my enthusiasm for Sadie the goat because this is one of the funniest stories. And I, I want to get drunk with the girl that tells the Sadie the goat story so badly. Yes. Her. So badly. Her and the woman that's a small Ashley Rose Wellman. Um, or I guess small. same size, Ashley Rose Wellman. I was going to say, Ashley Rose Wellman is pretty small. Because they're both very small. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's a drunk history, Ashley, that is just the cutest human. And I, Ashley had never seen it. And so I introduced oh. her to an episode featuring herself. And the more this girl talked, Ashley just looked at me giggling and goes, oh, no. <laughs> I think I might know who you're talking about. Does she always like lay on the couch? Like she always ends up like horizontal. Well, sometimes she jumps on the couch. <laughs> yeah. She's got yeah okay. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I would also like to get drunk with drunk history. Ashley Rose woman. Yes. And real life. Ashley Rose woman. If we were all together. Oh God. A dream. Okay. Sadie, the goat. Sadie, the goat. Buckle up for the weirdest story in the entire world. So excited. <laughs> so excited. Uh, okay. So for those listening, we're going to dip a touch into villainy. Um, the Drunk History episode that features Sadie is the Scoundrels episode. But she is also, it's just one of the most ridiculous stories I have ever heard. And I mean, I did a privateer a couple weeks ago, so like. Right, and Sadie also touches in a. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So, Sadie Farrell was born and raised in the slums near the East River in New York, uh, called the Fourth Ward. I don't know what that means, but okay. that's where she was born. Apparently, it was a real rough place. Okay. And I don't think she had much family. Because she grew up on the streets and hung out with, like, thieves and street hustlers and stuff. So I think she was just, like, you know, kick to the curb, you girl. We got a real Aladdin situation on our hands. Go earn your way. Yeah. If you steal a loaf of bread, you better not get caught. You know what I mean? Better not. Better not. Going to have to sing a whole song about it. And, oh, man, the sword, (laughs) the monkeys the brothel that you pop into for a little bit. It's a whole thing. Anyway. So. Wow. I totally forgot he goes into a brothel. Yeah. He definitely jumps into a brothel and then all of the workers get annoyed because he doesn't have any money. That's fucking hilarious. I don't think that I, great as an adult have watched Aladdin. Wow. Yeah. He super goes into a brothel. Yes, he does. Amazing. And they all know him and they're all immediately annoyed and they talk about how boring he is. Wow. (laughs) 
Disney. Killing it. All right. Anyway. Okay. So by 1969, she had her like her money making move. And so that's why I think she was probably like a late teenager. She was probably born around 1850. I don't know. So what she would do is she had a dude accomplice who was her muscle, but she would hang out outside of bars. She would wait for a drunk guy to stumble out of the bar and then she would get a running start and ram her head into the drunk dude's gut (laughs) to discombobulate this man. And as he was like, what just happened to me? Her man muscle would slingshot something at the side of his head and knock him out. Oh my God. That's so fucking funny and weird. Like, strange that's so weird why would anybody be like i know how i'm gonna rob people (laughs) right why couldn't you just be like jump to the slingshot why do you need to ram your head oh my god because you also might be thinking wow that sounds dangerous and you would be right yeah oh my god okay so funny that you're saying this story i'm really sorry that i keep interrupting you please don't be when dylan was here we kept having a recurring conversation (laughs) about how the most effective and safe for the headbutty way to headbutt somebody is. Sure. And like, it can't be like your forehead, right? That's, that's exactly it. So it can't be your forehead. It's you have to use exactly the top of your head on the soft part of their gut. Wow. And so I can't wait for Dylan to listen to this so that there's finally an answer to we this. figured it out because Sadie is a professional. Oh. Um, but yeah, Somebody if you use me. your forehead or your nose, then you could break those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knew to use the top of her head. And so she would, you know, stun this drunk dude that was like, what the fuck just happened? Somebody would slingshot him and then they would steal all of his stuff, including his clothing. How many they, times do you think that she got puked on? A million. If they were all drunk? I mean. Getting rammed in the gut by a head? <laughs> that would make me puke. <laughs> That would also make me puke. But I think most of me would be like, what in the hell just happened? Yeah, for sure. You know? Also, yeah. I feel like Sadie the Goat is Karen Kilgariff's um, icon, probably. And Definitely. if she doesn't know about her, she needs to know about her. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, rammed him in the gut, stole other things. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, so it she started building a reputation as like this <laughs> badass thief that <laughs> head gutted people. Hey, have you guys heard there's this crazy fucking chick that just <laughs> runs into people. So watch out when you're coming out of bars, you'd be hunched over or something. I love that. Um, so one day our girl Sadie got, got a little drunk, uh, not like happy Reagan wine drunk. She got like, I'm better than you. She got me playing slip cup drunk. Yes. Few sheets to the proverbial wind uh, at a bar called the hole in the wall, which dynamite name for a dive bar. Super good name. The bouncer at the hole in the wall was a very impressively large woman uh, named Gallus Mag. And the terms that are used to describe Gallus in the articles written about this story include six foot creature and Amazon. (laughs) Wow, so super complimentary very descriptors. Nice. Yes, <laughs> very, very nice. And our friend Gallus uh, would carry a small wooden bat that she kept, like, strapped to her wrist so that she could keep unruly guests more ruly. Yeah, re-rule them. Re- re-rule those guests with a few bat, 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 you know? Yeah. That was her move. Um, but if a few hits to the head didn't work, she had this really cool way of keeping them under control um, that was putting them into a headlock and biting their ear off. Casual. So oh, Wait, sorry. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I made my flippant comment before that really sunk into my brain. Biting their did. ear off? Off. Off. Wow. Yeah. She was, She's just going around like Mike Tysoning people? All the time. She had behind the bar, she had a wall of people's ears in like pickle jars and alcohol jars. What? And they called it Gallus Mag's trophy case. 
That's fucking gross. It's Where was this? This was in New York? It was in New York. Wow. Mm-hmm. East side. Lower East side, I believe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know Burroughs. Is that... <laughs> you said that so confidently, though. Thank you. Because they say um, things like East River and I don't know. Is that place still a thing? No, but we'll get there. Okay. Okay. Um. Right. Yeah, so she would bite their ear off and then kick whoever it was out, save the <laughs> ear, and just go back to being a bouncer. Sure. And somehow people were still unruly. <laughs> she was the bouncer even. So like, wouldn't, I mean, I feel like that bar would lose a lot of business though. Cause like if I were, if I were like wanting to go to that bar and I heard that the bouncer was routinely biting people's ears off, yeah. I'd be like, maybe we go somewhere else. I don't think that this place really attracted um, calm, peaceful types. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And so that's I true. think it was more of like a, you have to earn the right to go to the hole in the wall <laughs> where you could have your ear bitten off. What a fun time. Wow. It's yeah. like a great time. It's a great time. So Gallus, our friend Gallus was English. And Sadie was Irish, which at the time was a whole bunch of fuck no. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sadie gets drunk. And technically, we don't know that Sadie started it, but chances are good. Yeah, odds are. That, you know, she's, she's ramming people in the stomach all the time. Struts into the hole in the wall. And she's like, oi, pip, pip, cheerio. You know, something mockery. Wait, I thought she was Irish. She is. She was, mo- she was mocking Gallus. Oh, oh, okay. And then Gallus is like, top of the morn of my ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, for sure. So Gallus, you know, baps her a few times with her, her wrist bat. Sure. And Sadie's like, you can't hold me down. I'm a, I'm a firework. I'm a fucking goat. I'm a fucking goat. <laughs> I'm a goat. So a goat. Uh, her ear gets ripped off um, by sure. Gallus's teeth. <laughs> And uh, she gets kicked out, and Gallus puts the ear in a jar, and then that one she labels Sadie the goat's ear. The other ones were just ears. This one gets a gets a label. So Those were just knows. the ears of shitty dudes. Yep. And this then this one is the one of Sadie the goat. Ear of Sadie the goat. So Sadie's bummed, you know, and she's down an ear. And, right. And she finds herself wandering, and she ends up on the west side docks, the other side of town, you know. Sure. And she sees some members of the Charlton Street gang trying to steal a sloop, which is a small oh. boat. Oh, okay. I'm glad you had an answer for me. A sloop. Sloop, there it is. Sloop, is that what she said? there it is. She did say that. She's um, standing on the river and she's like, oh, sloop, there it is. Sloop, there it is. The Charlton Street gang is trying to steal that sloop from the Hudson. <laughs> They're a bunch of sloop thieves. <laughs> Attempted. They would, there would be sloop thieves. Even better. So she watches the crew of the sloop. Um, they were the ones that were like, sloop, there it is, if we're being honest. They overpower the oh, gang true. and just beat the shit out of them. Because apparently the Charlton Street gang suck at being a gang. Yeah. So she watches all of this go down and then she approaches the gang and is like, hey guys, you're bad at this. I'm really good at this. So why don't we combine our, our forces? I'll be the brain, y'all be the brawn, and then we'll actually be able to steal sloops. I'll headbutt anybody you want. Yeah. And the gang is like, well, that, that's, that sounds like a dynamite deal. I've never headbutted anyone. <laughs> My tactics are all wrong. So they, they team up. A few days later, with Sadie in command, um, they steal a much larger sloop. Good for them. Good you for know? them. Yeah. The world. You got to have they, dreams. They uh, they raised the skull and crossbones, and now Captain Sadie the Goat is a river pirate. Oh, my God. What the fuck is a river pirate? I feel like it would be really hard to be a river pirate because it would be really easy to get caught. You would think. So because think it's a river. <laughs> it's a river. That's like being a lake pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but not in like a like a big lake. Like a right. small lake. Yeah, that's like being a, a lake 
pirate in like Wasilla Lake. Yes, a hundred percent. Like we see you, we know that you're shitty. Okay, so she's a river pirate. So she's a river pirate. So they would basically sail up and down the Hudson and they would rob like farmhouses and then all those rich mansions on the riverfront and then smaller merchant ships. They knew not to attack the big ships because the big ships had a bigger crew and they were more well-trained. They were harder to... um, The only word I can think of is impregnate and I hate that word. Oh, you have to use that word. <laughs> Obviously, you have to use that word. Do you know I love that word when it's not being used vis-a-vis oh, pregnancy? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, <laughs> larger merchant ships are harder to impregnate by David the goat. <laughs> no, sorry. I was wrong. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's what, they, that's what they do. And then she became obsessed with pirates because she's like, man, I'm such a good pirate captain. So she starts reading pirate lore and history and she would like read all the super badass stuff that pirates would do. And she would start copying it because she was like, now I'm cool. And so apparently Julius Caesar got kidnapped by pirates at one point. What? Big question mark there. I don't know, but sorry. That's fun. Heard that. Um, so she ordered her crew to start kidnapping people um, and exchange them for ransoms because that's what pirates do. Sure. So she's then, an innovator, Sadie the Goat. She is. And, you know, she's really about bringing history to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you so then, <laughs> work at a museum, Sadie. Stop kidnapping people. Stop being a pirate. Uh, so then if her crew members would disobey in true pirate form, she would make them walk the plank. Into a river. Into the Hudson River. Where they could, like, see the shore. Swim away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, say it to go. You're trying real hard. She can only hear out of one ear. It's a bummer. So, for a few months, they were super successful. And they had a bunch of hiding spots for all their stolen booty. And they had a bunch of, like... I'm assuming money laundering places where they could just exchange goods for, for cash. Yeah. Um, but then they took a, a bummer of a turn and they started killing people. Oh. So then the Hudson Valley residents were like, okay, enough is enough. You were being annoying, but now you're just being the worst. Uh, so they formed a resistance. They got the police. And then they, again, because they're on a river, just waited for them to come ashore and they ambushed them. Yeah, of course. Because of course. Fucking course. (laughs) That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. (laughs) A river pirate. What is that? That's not a thing. Well, not anymore. How long was her piracy career? Months. Oh my God. That's months too long. It is. It It should have been done within a week. (laughs) It should have just been like, no, like we, we can see you. Well, for a while, they were like, ha-ha, we're so smart. And everybody was like, no, you're not. And then she actually started <laughs> to see you. People, and they were like, okay, now we're going to put an end to this. <sighs> I feel like it's if Buster Bluth became a pirate. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Like, wow. most of the time, he's not really hurting anybody. So they're like, you bet, Buster. <laughs> These are my medals, mother. From, from Army. Army. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. So, okay. Um, So, yeah, they ambushed them. Um, A bunch of members of the Charlton Street gang died. And Sadie was like, damn, I'm I'm super losing this. So she gets out of Dodge. She ditches her pirate life. And then eventually what was left of the gang disbanded. So she finds herself back at her old stomping grounds back on the east side. And now she is known as Queen of the Waterfront. Cool name. Pretty dope. Uh, and with all of her pirate money, she opened a gin mill. Which okay. I respect. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. But soon after she came back, the uh, the Hole in the Wall, our, our good friend, the Hole in the Wall bar, Yeah. Uh, was the site of seven murders in two months. Cool. Casual. So they, they shut that down. Oh, 
Yeah, Bummer. the police, That's sad. The, the cops shut down the hole in the wall. The hole in the wall, you remember Rum Runners? Oh, do I remember Rum in Runners? Anchorage? Yes, trash. I feel like that was the douchey version of the hole in the wall. Okay. You know? Yeah, I'll buy like that. Security cards are abusing people, but it wasn't until someone died that they shut it down. I was going to say, wasn't that the place that they were like having like underground security guard beatings beating people yep yeah wow yeah that's the one um anyway downtown anchorage folks uh so before they shut it down she comes back to the hole in the wall and she's like listen gallus i might have been a little bit of a bitch this might be my bad and gallus is like you know what you're right you are not wrong you're right you were a bitch (laughs) you were the worst but they made up and they become besties. And then Gallus is like, I have something for you. And she goes behind the bar and she gives Sadie her ear jar. Stop it. And Sadie then wore the ear around her neck, quote, for the rest of her days. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Sadie the goat was insane. She was insane. So <laughs> she was insane. Um, But in my... Closing research a couple of days ago, I discovered that this story may not be real. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Sadie may just be folklore because they were like, yeah, if somebody caused this much trouble, why aren't there more police records about them? I was like, man, that's a good point. However, I choose to believe that she is real. <laughs> I mean, it was like the 1870s. Yeah. Also, like, there were seven murders in two months at a bar. They have more like they to deal were busy. With. They were so busy. How could they possibly have been bothered with a Hudson River pirate? And they didn't write anything down. Why are Named they going to write Sadie down that the Buster Bluth is riding up and down the Hudson River? Oh, my God. She was Money 100% lover. real. I think she was real. I think she was real, too. Um, We have no idea how she died or when she died or anything else, but... Uh, that's the story of Sadie, the one-eared goat queen of the waterfront. Jeez. <laughs> wow. I love that so hard. <laughs> uh, so good. Wow. So good. So um, to source my shit, I uh, jumped off of Wikipedia onto an incredible article by Joseph Bruno on legendsofamerica.com. Cool. There's a an entry on the Old Salt blog, which I feel okay. like I want to dive more into because I feel like that's just going to be pirates. The Old Salt blog? Yep. Fun. Good old salt blog. Um, And then, uh, you know, Drunk History Season 4, Episode 5, Scoundrels, where Sadie the, the goat queen waterfront one-eared lady is played by Kat Dennings. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Sadie the motherfucking goat. Fucking goat. Wow. And great work. Ridiculous, am I right? Amazing. Just ridiculous. Really goals. I mean, the confidence to just. Yeah. What? So ballsy. So ballsy. Pretty stupid, but ballsy. Yeah. All right, you're up. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let me uh <laughs> just real quick. Pop that second claw. Pop that claw. Okay. Klaus. Um, have you ever heard? Probably not. Of Doctor Eugenie Clark. I have not. Oh, thank God. Me neither, and I'm really upset that I've never heard of this lady because this lady literally has my, like, dream career. So Also, I feel like that could be the theme of this podcast is we're really bummed that we've never heard of these ladies. Right. That's kind of the whole point of the podcast, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> okay. Dr. Eugenie Clark, which Eugenie is the cutest name I've ever heard in my entire life. It's pretty precious. It's up there with Ethel. Wow, Eugenie, it's so cute. 
that just tells me that her parents were like dead set on having a boy and naming him Eugene. And then they had a girl and they were like, oh, shit. They're like, well, so. she's pretty freaking cute. So <laughs> got to name her the cutest name in the world. Um, so Eugenie Clark, everybody calls her Jeannie. Aww. Jeannie was born May 4th, 1922, also in New York City. Her father was a man named Charles Clark, and her mother was a Japanese-American named Yumiko. When her father died, she was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and her mother then had to try and figure out a kind of daycare for Jeannie. Yeah. So her mom worked at a newspaper stand. So while she was at work, she would drop Jeannie off at the New York Aquarium. Whoa. Jeannie would just wander around the aquarium in the early 20s by herself. That is so cool. For like hours. She would just wander around. Very unsafe. Super unsafe. But But it was the 20s and nobody knew better. Also, there probably weren't any predators in the 20s, right? I mean, I mean. I mean. Probably not that. But nothing bad happened to her. So let's say yes, that. No predators. New York was totally safe in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other um, than, like, King Kong. But, you know. Other than other than King Kong. Yeah. That was the only danger in New York. <laughs> yeah, he had to probably be real careful. Jeannie, so. Had to be real careful. So, her mother remarries um, a Japanese restaurant owner. And Jeannie would always credit quote, the ocean-focused Japanese culture for inspiring what would become her life's work. So, she attends Hunter College in the early 40s, studying ichthyology, which is the study of fish. Um, She graduated in 1942, which, like, what the fuck? (laughs) You, like, got to college in, like, 1940. Oh, my God. A genius. So... She applies for grad school at Columbia, but was denied because a department head was worried that she was going to leave her studies halfway through to go have a family. Sure. Also, to be fair, jumping back. Yeah. Of course she graduated in two years. She memorized all the information about all the fish when she was a kid. Honestly. She could just say, hello, I'd like to enroll in this class. Please give me the final. Boom. Hi. Yes. I spent eight hours a day for nine years of my life at the aquarium. I learned to read reading about fish <laughs> right yeah so um you make grad school talking about her being denied into columbia she later said quote i never let being a woman even as a young girl stop me from trying to do something i really wanted to do especially if it concerned fishes or the underwater world oh like she's just so obsessed with like fish and shit oh i love it so um she's then accepted to nyu and she's mentored by Charles Bretter, who was a leading ichthyologist. From there, she gets a Master of Arts in Zoology in 1946, studying blowfish. She does her thesis on um, the same kind of fish that were in her like home aquarium, which I think is so cute. That's precious. She's so cute. This lady is just the cutest, start to finish all the time. Um, so from then, she becomes a research assistant for Myron Gordon, who was a renowned geneticist at the American Museum of Natural History. Um, Why do I Jeannie, know that name? Uh, Myron Gordon. I don't know. I'm going to Google this real quick. We can cut it out. Okay. It doesn't matter. Sorry. I don't know. Not ringing a bell? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Uh... Blah, blah, blah. Myron Gordon. Okay, so Jeannie finally graduates with her doctorate in zoology in in 1950, which, like, from undergrad to doctorate in 10 years. In 10 years? Yes. Jeannie. I know. Jeannie. I know. Um, So keep in mind that that entire time, she is both a woman and a Japanese-American in the 40s. Wow. Accomplishing all this shit. So So she makes her first dive in La Jolla, California, working for the Scripps Institute of Oceanography, which I love because my family lives in San Diego, which is La Jolla is basically a suburb of San Diego. So I spent so much time at the Scripps Institute Aquarium, which is so cool. It's so cool. And I've never heard of this lady and I don't really know how. Um, So her first dive was kind of a train wreck. 
um, she had a hose that burst while she was underwater and it filled her helmet up with water and it freaked her out. And she came up like gasping for air, obviously. Yeah. And um, her like mentor at the time that she was working for was like, nope, you can't let that scare you. You have to get back on that horse. Like you have to go do it again. And she was like, I don't know. And he was like, you have to fucking go do that again. And so she like the next day went and did another dive and then did, I think it was like 73 dives throughout her career. Like huge, huge. Like that was what she became known for was the amount of diving that she did. I love that. Good for so, the teacher to, you know, seriously be like that can't scare you. The water. <laughs> Shit happens that cannot stop you. Um, so talking about dupe, 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 a uh, NOAA biologist, modern day, talking about Jeannie says, quote, most ichthyologists were cataloging dead fishes when she started her career, but Jeannie used her imagination and her education from some splendid mentors to study living fishes in their environment and in the laboratory. So Jeannie's like kind of changing the whole way that scientists are studying underwater creatures. Yeah, girl. Amazing. So 1951, Jeannie conducts research in the Red Sea. It was a huge deal because up until then the Red Sea had been basically unexplored and hadn't really been dived in. So she went in, she found so much crazy shit in there. Um, And one, one in particular was what she kind of hung her hat on the most. So the reason that I said that she was my career inspiration or rather goals while Jeannie was nine, wandering around the aquarium, she fell in love with the sharks. Yeah, she did. So Jeannie's kind of whole thing was shark research, her whole career. So when she dives in the Red Sea, she finds the Red Sea Moses sole. It's a big fish. It's It looks kind of like a flounder or a halibut, I guess. <laughs> Okay. Okay. looks like a halibut. It's got two eyes on like one side of its head. Right. Um, And it's flat and it lays down flat in the sand and it produces a natural shark repellent that makes sharks like back up and like shake their head and swim away really fast. So Jeannie discovers this and starts trying to research ways that that repellent could be used in sunscreen for people when they're at the beach. Yeah. Amazing. Unfortunately, it doesn't pan out. The effects wear off too quickly for it to be bottled. So you can't use it as sunscreen, but Jeannie's the one that discovered the Red Moses soul. So she ends up writing a book called Lady with a Spear about her time in the Red Sea. And it (sighs) explodes. Like people go fucking nuts for this book. She's like selling out um, like book lectures and people are like asking her for, you know, coming in, uh, doing speaking engagements, talking about all the shit that she found in the Red Sea because no one had really done it before. It was like a different planet that she had explored. So um, after after her Red Sea trip, she kind of really hones in on the shark. And she she said, quote, after some study, I began to realize that these, quote, gangsters of the deep had gotten a bad rap. Gangsters of the deep. I love her so much, so much. So Jeannie uses her whole career and all of her research to try and educate people on the myths surrounding sharks and dispel a lot of the public fear. Oh, Jeannie is the one who discovered, quote, sleeping sharks in Mexico, which up until Jeannie's discovery, it had been thought that sharks had to be moving to breathe. Yeah. Which I'm sure you've heard, because that's still a really common. People say that, yeah. It's a really common misconception that they have to be moving or or be sleeping in waves so that the air is coming over their gills to stay alive. But Jeannie found a cave in Mexico filled with sleeping sharks. Whoa! Right? Can you imagine? I know, I know. So Jeannie like totally changed how biologists went about studying sharks and like kind of fundamentally changed the understanding. Incredible. 
How have we never seen a photo of a cave filled with sleeping sharks? Because they, they have to still do that, right? I, probably. I don't know. I don't know. But, Ugh. wow. Would Underwater love. photographers, get on this. Get on that. Um, so, in 1955, Jeannie founds the Cape Hayes Marine Laboratory in Sarasota, Florida. She founds this because she got a grant from the Vanderbilts <laughs> after they read her book. Very cool. They were like, man, you should fucking have a lot of money to do this all the time. So she founds the Marine Laboratory. Today, it's known as the Moat Marine Laboratory. And their main focus is still shark research, although now it has branched out into wider reaches of research as well. But their main focus is still shark research, which is hilarious to me because I have followed the Moat Laboratory on Facebook like since I was like 14. Oh. Like I've been, I love them and everything and i was like oh shit this is founded by a really cool lady um so a scientist at NOAA said that genie quote was the first to study the behavior of large large sharks experimentally in a lab man this fucking lady i'm god i just love her so much dr william tavolga said of genie quote she was a pioneer but she was never trying to prove anything she was just doing her thing she just loved fish. <laughs> she just loved fish. <laughs> she wanted everybody to love fish as much as Jeannie loved fish. I love her. So Jeannie continued to dive throughout her life. Her last dive, she was 91, and it was the year before she died. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All of her friends, when they called it her last dive, Jeannie would tell them, quote, you're just being pessimistic. <laughs> oh, Amazing. So uh, Jeannie Clark died February 25th, 2015. Wow. The following month, Congress formally recognized Jeannie and all of the work that she did. Wow. And That's... that is the short and sweet story of Jeannie Clark, the shark lady, which She's is how everybody knew her. Lady. Everybody called her the shark lady. Ugh. There's like all of these great photos of her like on a boat, just like getting ready to go diving or like. There's this really great photo of her with like her whole head inside a shark's jaw skeleton, <laughs> just like studying its teeth. Oh God, that lady. Man, I love her. That's precious and yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So to source my shit, uh, the Moat Marine Laboratory and Aquarium webpage has a great article uh, just talking about Jeannie Clark. It's written by Haley Rutger. Uh, there's a Nat Geo article called Shark Lady Eugenie Clark, Famed Marine Biologist Has Died, written by Andrea Stone. And the NOAA website has a really great, like, full-length history of Jeannie Clark. And then the Smithsonian website has an ocean section, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that article is called Eugenie Clark, the Shark Lady, and it's written oh. by Ashley Gallagher. Ashley. And that's my shit about Eugenie Clark. I love it. I love her. Isn't that I love, good? I that's know. so great. I know. The shark know. lady. Shark lady. Just trying to do her best. Getting shit. And like when she, uh, when Jaws came out and it was, you know, panic, mass panic. Yeah. Um, Jeannie like worked really hard to be like, no, no, this, no, th- none of this is real. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Like this isn't really a thing. And to his credit, uh, Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws, the book, when the movie came out and it became such mass hysteria, he then, from then on, devoted the rest of his life to life to shark conservation and shark research because he was like, I didn't mean for any yeah. of this shit to happen. I didn't mean for all of this. Like, whoa, I just wrote a book. I didn't mean for it to get made into a movie. I didn't mean for it to cause fear for generations. Yeah. Like, yeah. so... Um, so that's not to say that Peter Benchley didn't also do a lot of good. Uh, but yeah, that's a. So that's a 2015, cool do you think she ever saw Sharknado? Oh my God. I really fucking hope so. Oh wonder, my God. I wonder what sweet genie's reaction to Sharknado would be. <laughs> I, I, I hope I like to think that genie would have, laughed really hard at that movie. Yeah. Just and thought giggled it was a great and giggled time. and giggled and thought, wow, that would be fun. Man. 
Remember that movie where there are sharks in a living room? What a great time. What a what a time. What a time to be alive. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. Good job, dude. Thanks. Well, I guess that uh, means... Taylor, who's your babe of the week? Oh, right. Um, okay, so my babe of the week is absolutely Madeline Barron of the podcast In the Dark. I have not heard that. Oh, my God. Okay, so the first season of In the Dark is about the Jacob Wetterling case. Yeah. Um, and it's great. I highly recommend anybody go listen to it. It's fantastic reporting. Um, and the second season of In the Dark is the case of a quadruple homicide, I think. And for those of you who are not really into true crime, don't worry. They don't talk much about the murder. If anything, it's a courtroom drama. So Mm -hmm. the guy that they arrested, and this happened 23 years ago. The guy that they arrested is a man named Curtis Flowers. This happened in Winona, Mississippi, it is a predominantly white town and Curtis Flowers is a black man. And there is very little evidence tying him to this other than somebody saw him on the street that same day. And that is about it. Mm. And he has been on death row for 23 years and just had his sixth trial. And he has been sentenced to death four times. And then it was, it was a hung jury twice. So in the dark, she, Madeline Barron moves to Winona to report on this story. Um, and the podcast itself is fantastic. And um, throughout the podcast, they get, she gets a lot of the states, the prosecution's key witnesses. And on record on the podcast, they say, yeah, I was offered a deal so that I could get out of jail early from the DA who's prosecuting. And um, I lied, like not, I didn't see him. Like he never confessed to me, none of that's true. Cool, 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 cool. And so she gets all of this on the podcast and they start talking to Curtis Flowers lawyers who then take it to the Supreme Court. This all happened this year, take it to the Supreme Court and it was accepted by the Supreme Court, which apparently is incredibly rare. And the Supreme Court voted to acquit Curtis Flowers. (gasps) And um, on Monday, this week, like three days ago, they had a hearing to set his bail. And the judge, apparently it's really rare for there to be bail set in a capital trial, which I guess makes sense because if you're sitting on death row and you get bail, you are probably a huge flight risk. So it's really, really rare for them to actually grant bail. And um, so she released an episode yesterday that details that hearing. And um, the judge agreed that there's not really any evidence. And so Curtis Flowers is out and he is going to be home for Christmas. That's so cool. So cool. I love listening to podcasts that are discussing um, various like court cases or crimes in real time. Yeah. So that you get like the, the teacher's pet where it went through this really old case. And as it was coming out, people were coming forward. And so yeah. they got a conviction. Yeah. Or, um, this land by right. Rebecca Nagel. Right where she was like, yeah, this is going to happen. And then she has an episode where she's like, well guys, I'm as shocked as you are. They pushed it off to next year. We're going to figure this out. You know, like, mm-hmm. ugh. yeah, it's, it's great. So, it's so great. So everybody go listen to in the dark. Uh, I might cut some of that out. Cause I don't necessarily want to give away the whole thing. <laughs> I guess I should have put a spoiler alert on there, but maybe I won't. Cause like, it's, well, we could, we could edit it and do your spoiler alert now. It's just, okay. Spoiler alert. Nobody, Fucking, if you don't want to know the rest of it, I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. It's, (laughs) I don't care. Everybody go listen to it. It's incredible. Um, many times I've had to turn it off at work because I like get emotional listening to it because it's just so 
it's just, it's heartbreaking and also so rewarding. It's such a rewarding podcast because like the start of it, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on in this town? And then like to have that be the last thing that you hear on the podcast is him speaking as he's walking out of jail is, oh God, beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Um, So yeah, that was a long winded one, but. Hey, that's fine. She's my lady of the week. Hell yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Who's yours? Um, so mine's weird because I don't actually know her name. Um, so part of my job when I'm seeing the the doctors, yeah, is like um analyzing their communication skills and their respect and empathy and professionalism, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's rare that you ever get anybody that's truly respectful or empathetic. Which is um, what you want to hear in future doctors. It, they're so focused on this as a test and yeah. I need to figure out what's wrong, you know, that they don't, mm-hmm. it's Yeah. You get a lot of negative ones. And the beginning of this week was a lot of really disrespectful, really disrespectful people. Um, And so I was kind of beat down by that. And then yesterday I was having a bad morning. One of those things where everything is going wrong, like trying to get to work. And it was just, it was just a rough morning all the way around. And then the first doctor that I saw was so empathetic that I did not have answers for her I they literally were not in my case I didn't know how to answer her Mm -hmm. because she cared so much more than anybody has and I just kind of sat there in shock for a minute and I've, I've you know worked like I worded my way around things and figured it out and it was fine and I immediately went and talked to my trainer and I was like I just said this is this okay and she was like yeah yeah yeah, that's fine um (laughs) But she's, you know, she's telling me what she thinks is wrong with me and the the treatment plan and everything. And then she looked at my face and she stopped and she was like, it's going to be okay. Wow. Don't worry about this. It's going to be okay. You are going to be okay. I've got you. I am here with you. Like, this is treatable. This is not a death sentence. This is not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because I... You know, I have my face, my brow is like permanently furrowed in all of the stuff. And she's the first person to like see that and stop and be like, this person is really scared. Yeah. Don't worry. Like, we got you. And I was like, holy Lord. And then she was asking me like all of my preferences for my treatment. And she was like, would you prefer we do this or this? And I was like, um, I, d- I don't know. Wow. And yeah, it was That's just, the kind of doctor that we need. I was, I am so excited for her to join the medical industry. Yeah. I, yeah, it absolutely made up for the, you know, 30 other doctors that I saw that frustrated me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, occasionally you get a, a candidate that's really good and you're really excited for them to like be a doctor. Um, and even after they pass, they still have to go through residency. They're still, it's literally just a pass so they can keep learning. Yeah. But her bedside, everything was so dynamite. I was like, it absolutely lifted up my week. It was really exciting. Wow. There it is. There it is. Shoop. There it is. (laughs) Sloop. 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 Shit. Damn it. That was going to be so funny. There it is. That was going to be the funniest thing I've ever said on this podcast. I'm cool with Shoop. There it is being the uh, the title of this episode. <laughs> and then 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 this is when I cut out that part and everybody's like, what? Didn't they say? Pretty sloop? sure the word is sloop. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh, well, I try. Dynamite. You crushed it. <laughs> Boom. Oh, man. Wow. This was great. This was great. I love you, friend. I love you. And I love this. 
I do too. Um, so for this coming week, yeah. Any chance you're free Monday night? Monday night. Yes, actually, that's probably the only night that I am free. It's literally the only night I have free. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Have a great night. You have a great night. Okay. I think I'm going to do some yoga. Ooh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. My back has been bothering me, so I think I'm going to try and help it. That's a good answer. Yeah. All right. This was great. And I love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.